I know I've shared this story before, but I'm navigationally challenged. And I mean geographically, like I, I know how to get my way around like a relationship or my faith, but if I, was, if I didn't have help and someone told me to go to point A to point B to drive there, it's going to be hard for me. Now, I, anybody thankful for having GPSs now? Like especially now it's right on your phone and so you just always just put in an address or even just the name of the place and get there. Uh, I'm so thankful for that because, man, do I have a hard time getting around. And some of that is because, I mean, do you remember the days? Anybody remember MapQuest? Remember that where you would go online and you would, you would type in where you wanted to go and you print out the directions and, you know, but you were hopeless though if you made a wrong turn because there's no like recalculating on that printout. And so you better make sure you hit every one of those turns. Or ever, ever remember when you used to be able to just walk into a gas station and ask for directions? You know, can, can you help me? Like I'm trying to find this place and the gas station attendant would know. I doubt any of them know now because they, they, they're not used to giving those directions. Uh, or sometimes people try to give me directions still today. I don't know why that is. I, I'm always like, just give me the address. Just tell me the, tell me the name of the place because I'm not going to remember any of those instructions and we're just wasting our time because I just can't get anywhere without that. And, and some of it's because I'm from Dayton, Ohio, and Dayton, Ohio, the, the land is flat for the most part, and the roads are pretty much a grid, and so, like, you could know that it's over there, and then you could just find your way over there, even if you made a wrong turn, where Pittsburgh, and I know that it's because it's an older city, and, and because it's because of the, the way the hills and the mountains are, that Pittsburgh, the roads are kind of like someone grabbed a handful of spaghetti and threw it on the map. And then just kind of wherever it landed is where it is, and that's just kind of how it is. So when I moved here, and I can't believe it's, it's uh, about 20 years ago now that I moved here in 2004. Uh, at the time, I didn't have a cell phone, and, and so I had to figure out my way through Pittsburgh, uh, being someone from Ohio. And, and my wife, Heather, she's from here, so usually she'd be in the passenger seat as my navigator helped me around. And we were one day, we were driving home. She was giving me the directions. And then for some reason, we pull up to this stop sign, and the only options are to go straight or to turn right. And so I get up to the stop sign thinking, surely she's going to tell me where to go next. And she's not telling me where to go. For some reason, she stopped giving me the directions. And in my head, like, I want to be polite, so I'm just waiting patiently thinking, well, I can't go anywhere because you're not telling me where to go. I'm just one thinking in my head. And I didn't know in her head, she's thinking, I don't know why you don't know where to go. And then I finally am like, do I go straight or turn right? And she's like, you don't actually know where you are? And I was like, no, I have no, I'm not from here. I don't know where I am. And she goes, well, look to the left. And up to my left, up on top of the hill, there were my, my apartment sitting right there next to me. <laughs> and I had no idea where I was until <laughs> I looked over there. <laughs> that is really bad. See, I told you, I'm navigationally challenged. Now, again, I love now that I, I don't get lost anymore because of that GPS. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was a GPS that you could plug into and say, take me to where happiness is. Wouldn't it be awesome? Like, I don't feel great today. Take me to happiness. Or uh, I feel anxious today. Take me to feeling peace, a sense of peace. And just plug it in. It just tells you how, right, to, how to get over there. Uh, or just a, simply a GPS for your heart. You know, this heart thing is kind of like wacky, isn't it? It's difficult to manage all these emotions. And it would be great if you could just plug in the GPS coordinates to tell your heart, go over there, and you could just follow the directions. It's not really like that, is it? Unfortunately, we don't really have a GPS that can do that to navigate all these emotions and feelings that we have. But actually, there is somewhat of a GPS. It's called the Bible. The Bible actually gives us a lot of instructions on how to navigate this heart that we have. But sometimes we end up, and I don't know if any of you are in this place, we end up in a place where we're, we're pressed under a weight of hopelessness. You know, like I just can't seem to get un, out from under this cloud. Or sometimes we, we actually feel like that the way we feel has nothing to do with us. That, that we certainly didn't cause any of this. It's certainly everybody else is causing this. And sometimes there are people that are doing those things, but the reality is we actually many times cause a lot of our own negative feelings that we have, maybe without even realizing it. And the Lord wants us to learn how to stop doing that. Wouldn't you like to stop doing that? Okay. 
and you're saying, I don't know what you're talking about. I still know that I'm not the problem, okay? Well, just hold on. We might find out that might be the case. But the Lord wants us to be able to have this stability in our emotions. But sometimes we don't know if we really want it, uh, if we should seek it from the Lord. And there's different reasons to be motivated to do that. And we've been talking about these reasons as we explore the, the numerous areas of life that we can seek, seek stability in. But if nothing else, do it for yourself. Like, I would rather not be a nervous wreck, right? Would rather not be stressed out to the max, right? And so if nothing else, follow what the Lord teaches in Scripture so that you have that peace and security within your heart and control of those emotions. But if you don't care about yourself, just know that when you're a mess, it negatively affects the people that you say you care about. And when you're more stable emotionally, you have a positive impact. Have you ever been like you're just losing it, okay? You're just losing it emotionally, and someone was with you that wasn't losing it. You know, they were staying calm, they were strong, they were confident. Didn't that, feel, didn't that help you out when that person was like that? Wouldn't you like to be that for somebody else? And in part, that's what our mission is. Now, we know our mission is to ultimately land on leading a person to a healthy, thriving relationship with Jesus Christ, faith in Him. But it's difficult to do that when we're a mess all the time. I mean, could you imagine the person who has just got this hot temper and they're, they're angry all the time, and they're like, you should live life the way I do. It'll be great. Like, I don't know, you know, the person that's always depressed or the person that's always anxious and would be like, follow me, and I'll show you how to live this life good. I don't know if anybody's going to be like, I'll take you up on that offer, okay? And so it's, it's important for our mission to make sure that we know how to navigate this whole emotional thing, let alone if we don't know how to do it, we can't teach someone else how to do it. And so we need to learn this whole GPS issue to the heart. We also need to do it to glorify the Lord because we fail to demonstrate the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the strength of God when we're falling apart all the time. So we have all the reason to learn how to navigate this whole heart that we have, uh, but we have to know how to do it. Okay, so there's two steps that we have to take, two actions that we need to be taking regularly. And I want you to know, uh, is no matter how strong or weak you might think that I am, I have to do these things almost daily. Almost daily, I have to find myself walking through these principles so that I don't fall apart. And there's times I fail at that. Uh, but if we learn how to walk in these principles, we'll be uh, experiencing more stability. So the first step, the first action we need to take is we need to decide to take the lead. Now, I don't know if you, you know this, but you can actually choose to lead those emotions instead of letting those emotions lead us. Uh, we sometimes think that they just happen to us, and so we're just stuck with them. Uh, but the Bible says in Galatians, that in Romans 8 as well, that the sons of God are those who are led by their emotions, right? Isn't that what it says? No. It says that the sons of God or the children of God are those who are led by the Spirit. That means we allow the Spirit to decide our choices and our actions, not our emotions. But I'm convinced that the average person is letting their emotions lead them. And sometimes they land in the right place with that. But many times they land in a, in a lousy position because of letting their emotions lead them. And so we need to learn how to actually decide that we're going to be leading our emotions. So how do we do that? Well, first we need to know what's the risk if we do not lead our emotions, if we get unstable in any way. And when I say unstable, you know what's funny? When I say things like this, I think people picture the worst-case scenario you know, well, I'm not a basket case, so emotional instability doesn't apply to me. No, that's not what I'm talking about. If you're feeling a deep sorrow or sadness, or if you're just feeling slightly stressed, that's instability that's in, in my heart, and I need to know how to work that out. And so I need to know what's the risk in that. Well, Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Do not lean on your own understanding. Proverbs 21, 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Now, where is this feeling like I have a correct view coming from? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful and desperately sick. One of the risks to these emotions, yeah, we heard that, Cindy. <laughs> she lost control of her phone. See, speaking of losing control. Uh, the risk is our emotions 
They're useful to motivate us to action at times, if they're used right, but they're not great advisors. They're not. Like, if we listen to our emotions, they tend to be not that bright. Uh, we don't think straight when we, when we get all emotional. And I'm not saying it's wrong to get emotional and cry and those things. It's just when we're in that state of being, it's probably not the best time to, like, choose a spouse at that moment. You know, like when you're in deep depression, probably don't, don't, don't choose a spouse right then. Okay? And we see people like that. Have you ever seen someone irate? Just completely all they're seeing is red. And, and, and you're looking at them and you're thinking, why are you acting so dumb right now? Right? Or have you ever seen someone in a complete state of panic and you're thinking, I don't understand why you're acting that way. Why are they acting that way? Because they're letting their emotions lead them rather than deciding that they're going to take in control of those emotions. And so we need to know that the risk is that I, I could not think straight. I could end up doing destructive things when I have this emotional instability. Psalm 37, 8 says, anger tends only to evil. Proverbs 14, 17 says, a man of quick temper acts foolishly. Proverbs 15, 18 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife. Are you aware that sometimes some people do what's called cutting? They cut themselves. Uh, or people get wrapped up in various drug addictions or alcoholism. And you'll hear them expressing that they know that this is destructive to them. But they can't seem to stop themselves from harming themselves. Or someone who ends up taking it to the furthest degree of committing suicide. When people do these destructive things, they're not doing it because they sat back in a good place and thought, let me plan out how to destroy myself. They did it because they let their emotions take control, and the result is we tend to behave. Have you ever said something in, in like, anger, and then afterwards you thought, man, I wish I could take that back? That was dumb, and now this relationship has some kind of fracture in it that I have to do damage control now? That is the risk of letting us or allowing our emotions to lead us. We also need to be aware of the risk of, of creating some negative consequences uh, Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, anger lodges in the heart. Have you ever, I was, I was, have you ever had uh, like swallowed something down the wrong pipe? And you're trying to get it out, it's wedged in there. Uh, it's, it's at that moment you've kind of lost control of what happened, right? Anger is like that and many emotions are like that. If we let them take root, at some point we've completely lost control. Have you ever been in a state of, I'm, I'm out of control now? Okay. That's what happens when we let our emotions lead us. Also, Matthew 5.22 says, whoever is angry, Jesus says this, whoever is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. And in the context, he's talking about being liable to judgment to the Sanhedrin, to people. And though, yes, we know we ultimately end up judged by God, but when we act certain ways, it affects the way the people around us see us. And even if maybe they should learn how to tolerate some things and, and, and deal with some of our humanness, think about this for a moment. The person who's always mopey, just always pessimistic, and always down, at some point people decide that they don't want to be around that person too much because they'll feel like they're going to start being pulled down. Or the person who just out of nowhere often flies off the handle and, and has this outburst of anger, at some point people decide, I don't know if I want to be around that person, let alone whether we respect the person or we'll ever seek the person out for any kind of connected relationship. And so we need to think about that, that when we act according to our emotions, we are sometimes unknowingly, because people just disappear sometimes. What do we call that when, you know, ghosting? Anybody know what ghosting is? Or the person's not responding anymore to any of your texts or phone calls, and we don't know what happened over on the other end, sometimes it might be something like this, where we don't realize that we're losing because we're letting our emotions take, take control. James 1.20 says, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And righteousness being, it comes from the word right, that I'm being in right standing. And so if I'm operating in these bad emotions, it... it begins to fracture my relationship with God and creates this distance between me and Him. And so I need to know that the risk is if I let my emotions lead me, there's a lot of things that are going to happen that I don't want to happen. And why do I need to know that? 
because hopefully that will motivate me to say, I don't want that, so I need to start doing something to change this. And so if I'm aware of that, then I might decide maybe I shouldn't uh, act according to my emotions. I also need to understand the, the triggers. What is it when I get angry, sad, anxious, what is it often that is triggering that emotion in me? And when I was studying for this, it was interesting that I saw a number of places, particularly three in Proverbs 12, Proverbs 19, and 1 Corinthians 13. But it's, it's mentioned in other places. Uh, we're continually being encouraged to not, uh, to, to not take an insult to heart, to overlook an offense. And the reason is because when people say something to us about who we are, it bothers us. Uh, and so think about when someone said something that made you feel like they thought you were incompetent. Okay? That strikes certain emotions, whether you're now you're stressed and anxious about it, or now I'm angry about it, or now I'm sad about it, it strikes certain emotions in us. Or, James 4, verse 1 and 2, James says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fight among, fights among you? Why do we get disturbed and disrupted? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so so I want something and it's not coming to being, so what do I do? So you murder, you covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And so there's usually two reasons why we get upset. Because either I'm not feeling great about me, sometimes because of what someone's doing or saying to me, and that's why I'm getting angry or, or upset. The other is because there's something I feel I need or want, there's a desire that I have, and somebody else is standing in the way. And so, why do we get so irate with a customer service agent at times? Because there's something we want, and they're getting in the way of it, and so we get angry, right? These are the things that trigger us. And if we can be aware that if I'm getting angry, if I'm getting sad, if I'm getting anxious, then it's probably one of these things, and I start to look at that, and then I need to, what's the solution? If it's an identity thing, I need to remind myself what my identity is in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ loved me so much, valued me so much. In fact, he refers to that in Matthew 6 when he says, of the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, aren't you much more valuable than they? But not only that, Jesus died on the cross because that's how much he valued us. So even if that person thinks I'm incompetent, or that person thinks that I'm a lousy person, or that person thinks that I'm not good, that I'm evil in some way or another, then I need to remind myself that that's not who I am. I am loved, valued, created for good works by Jesus Christ, and I need to remind myself of that. And if I do, then all of a sudden I'm losing the reasons to be angry. I'm losing the reasons to be anxious or sad. The same is true with the needs or wants. What does the Lord say? That if we need something, we come and ask Him, right? Because the source of satisfying all our desires and wants is found in the Lord. Is it not the reason why He says, taste and see that the Lord is good? Delight yourself in Him and He will give you the desires of your heart? And so when someone else, when that customer service agent is getting in my way, I need to remind myself that He is not the answer to my needs or wants. My needs and wants are met in Jesus Christ. And we find ourselves trusting him, we lose the reasons to be angry and sad and anxious. And I think that a part of us hearing that get a little bit irritated because we kind of want to still be angry at that guy. Okay? Because it's actually within our control to be released from that. We just have to choose to let the Lord take that away from us. So we need to understand the triggers. We also need to remove negative influences and add positive influences. Some of the reasons, again, we've, we've, seen, we've all seen the person that, has, that flew off the handle out of nowhere, and we're trying to figure out where did this come from, because it was such a small thing, and all of a sudden this person is losing their minds over it. And part of the reason that happens is because someone has been cultivating their heart towards anger without maybe without realizing it and so when it shows up they're already edgy they're already ready to pounce on something and all it takes is one little thing for them to jump on it or they've been they've been sowing in their heart anxiety and stress 
And so when the slightest thing falls apart, they panic and fall apart because that's what they've been cultivating in their hearts. Because we can't solve this just by, uh, by when the moment arises. We have to learn to be a little more proactive and start cultivating something in our hearts before we land on the mess. Because if we wait for the mess to arrive, we're probably not going to make it through that the right way. We need to learn to start working on this. So we, we remove negative influences. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, keep aloof from strife. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, don't be friends with an angry person lest you learn his ways. The people around us, and this, this involves literal, actual people that are before us. It involves things we're watching because we're still interacting with, with people through that way, uh, things we're listening to. And we need to be careful that sometimes we're allowing people in our lives that are making us feel certain emotions without us realizing it. Like, and I know I like to pick on the news, and it's not wrong to watch the news, but some people watch like two hours of news a day, and, and they have these alerts going off on their phone every 30 minutes to let them know that the world's about to blow up. And, and then they wonder why they're so anxious. And, and listen, that's just the way the news conveys it. I, I don't know if they know they're doing it that way, but the news, when you watch the news, that's what they're saying, is you should be terrified. You should be stressed out of your mind. And if I'm letting that soak into my heart routinely, it should not be surprise, surprising to me that I'm so anxious. Or if there's people, and there's an ebb and flow to this, because I don't think that we should cut out people out of our lives just because they struggle with anger or sadness or anxiety. But it's actually part of the rhythm of why the, the, the followers of Christ have done this rhythm of Sundays, you come and gather with believers, and then you go back into the world. Wednesdays, you come and gather with believers, and you go back into the world. Because you, you come into an environment in which you, you're hoping to encounter some positive experiences with others so that you're getting recharged so that when you go back out there and deal with the messy people, that you have the ability to handle it. But I have to come back and keep getting recharged because, boy, doesn't it wear on us? Doesn't it wear on us that when we're around people that have, or even just people's spiritual fervor, that if we're around people that just lack passion in their following of Christ and passion for the mission of the gospel, it can be draining on us. And so we need to make sure that we're, we're kind of creating enough distance at times so that we're not being pulled into that. But also, Psalm, Psalm 24.4 says, He who has clean hands and a pure heart is the one who does not lift up his soul to what is false, or some translations will say to an idol. And I'm not really sure which, which word is appropriate there, but the picture is that a person is orienting themselves around something that, it, that is not what should be happening in, in their lives, or something that's causing something negative. And here's what I want us to think about this for a moment. Uh, this, this device of ours, and I'm not against it, and I use it, and I think there's, there's good uses, even kingdom uses for our phones, our computers, even, you know, it's funny, I, I love sometimes when some of us older people, I'm, I'll lump myself in with older, I know that I'm not older, uh, depending on who you are, but some of us older people at times will, da you know, be on top of the people that are on their screens all the time, uh, not remembering that we have often just vegged in front of a different screen called the television, right, okay, and so we have these devices, TV, computers, phones, and I don't think that they're wrong in them themselves, but I've, and I've been really praying about this for myself and for others, that sometimes I think we get so oriented around these devices that we don't even realize the amount of edginess and, and anxiety and, and sadness that we're creating. In fact, even a lot of non-Christians out there are doing research to study this, that the more people are actually on these screens, the more anxious, stressed, angry, depressed they are. And, and again, I'm not saying get rid of them, but maybe think about moderating it to some extent. Maybe thinking about pulling back on that. Because I'm telling you, if we got bells and whistles going all the time and noises going all the time and alerts going all the time, I don't know why we're so surprised that we're always like this or we can't sleep. Because we're, we're cultivating in our hearts the spirit of anxiety and stress and worry. And we need to learn to cultivate that. We also need to add positive influences. Psalm 13, verse 5 and 6 says, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I'm going to rejoice in the experience of knowing you. Proverbs 13, 12 says, A hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. 
that if I experience fulfillment in some capacity, it brings life to my heart. Proverbs 17, 22 and 23 says, A joy, joyful heart is good medicine. And sometimes we get so, even, even maybe with good intentions, we get so focused on, on serving the Lord that we don't allow ourselves to ever enjoy anything. And we might think, well, I don't think God wants me to enjoy anything. Well, Jesus combated the Pharisees over the Sabbath, and he said, listen, the Sabbath, was, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. And what was he saying? He was saying God actually expects us, with a rhythm there, okay, it's one out of seven days, with a rhythm, God expects us to experience moments of pleasure, moments of satisfaction, moments of peace, moments of rest, moments of enjoyment. And sometimes the reason why some of us are so down all the time is we won't allow ourselves ever to be up some of the time. And so if we want to cultivate that, then we need to let ourselves have a little fun sometimes. I'm not talking about sinning. I'm just saying have fun sometimes. You know, was it, I, I hardly ever watch a football game. But I watched three hours of a football game last night because my other team, the Niners, were playing. And I don't know if that was cultivating anything good because I was stressed for a good portion of that game because it was so close. But I felt great relief and satisfaction afterwards when it end, finally ended. But it's not wrong to do from time to time. In fact, we need to do that fairly. I'm not talking about necessarily specifically a football game. But we need to let ourselves have fun sometimes. Do something that's not overly productive just for the sake of enjoying ourselves. And we might find that we might be enjoying life a little better. And is there anything wrong in that? Unless, unless it becomes too much and that's all we're doing. Again, there's some balance to that. But sometimes, sometimes we can't control what it is we're doing because we have certain circumstances and we really can't slow down. We can't enjoy our, we just have stuff that's going on and we can't change those things. Well, Proverbs 4, verse 20 and 21 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Proverbs 17, 27 says, He who has a cool spirit, how is it that happens? He who has a cool spirit has understanding. And so some of it is just when I cultivate uh, positive things in my life, it's, it's to, to understand the way life works and to learn that, you know, sometimes, what, what, what is that saying um, when life makes lemons? You know thing? Make lemonade, right? Okay. So sometimes what has to happen if I can't control the circumstances if, is, I, is that I have to decide I'm just going to enjoy what it is that I have right now. And so, like, as much as I love a clean house, I actually don't like cleaning. I don't like to clean the stuff up. But what I've had to do is to decide to just tell myself this is an enjoyable hobby <laughs> to clean out. And the more we do that, I'm not saying I succeed at that all the time, but... But the more we do that, uh, like this, like I would prefer to not shovel that walk out there, and I know that that's, it wasn't perfect out there. Uh, but when I got here, I had to change into different pants and different shoes and go out there and shovel that snow. And, and I, but I actually kind of like snow, though. But I, I had to tell myself, this is fun. I'm shoveling snow, and I'm going to enjoy this. And if we have enough understanding of, of our hearts and our minds, we might have the capacity to do this. So we have to learn to, to cultivate those things. Also, we have to learn how to guide our emotions. Okay, so, so you have the disturbance, right? You have the anxiety, the stress, the anger, the, the, the sadness. We have to know how to, to guide it to land in the right spot. And the starting point to that is to admit that we actually can take control of this thing. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. So I need to be doing some. I need to dictate what's happening here. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Okay, so I need to decide what's happening here. Uh, we're told to, in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, to put away negative emotions and have certain positive emotions. So I need to decide what's going to happen here. Philippians 4 do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and the peace of God will, that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. So I need to decide what's going to happen. And so when we feel angry, we have to admit at that moment, I can decide not to. When we feel anxious at that moment, we have to decide, all right, this thing's not the boss. 
The Lord is the boss, and we're going to flow with what the Spirit is doing. Now, there's some additional steps to go with that. And listen, I'm not giving you a psychology blueprint here. I'm giving you Scripture. This is what the Bible says to do when our hearts get a mess. And the reason why we have those instructions is because our hearts get a mess a lot, don't they? Isn't that irritating? Do you ever wake up sometimes and you're like, I'm sad, and I have no idea why I'm sad, and no reason to be sad, but I don't feel great. Do you ever feel like that? Okay. We have to, the Lord wants to help us know what to do in that moment. So next step to this, Proverbs 16, 32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes the city. James 1, 19 says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. I wish Sean was here this morning because he had mentioned on Wednesday in our discussion group that someone recently beat the entire old game of Tetris. Like, just beat the whole game. Like, reached the end of it. Anybody, do you remember Tetris? Okay, if you don't remember Tetris, it's, it's a series of blocks that come down. You have to get them perfectly lined across to eliminate a line so you don't reach the top of the, the pile. And as you progress, depending on the setting, if you start getting up higher or if you start passing certain time limits, the blocks start coming down real fast. Like, initially, it's going real slow, and it's kind of real easy. You're like, this is boring. It's just easy. Just put that over there, solve that problem. Put that over there, solve that problem. But then all of a sudden, they start coming down like it's pouring rain. And Sean was just saying, like, when you play that game, it's like, I, don't, I can't even make a good decision right now because it's just, and you make some of the dumbest moves because this is coming so fast. And you know what's interesting? When we get anxious, you know what begins to happen to our minds? It starts racing. It starts going really fast. When we get angry, everything starts going super speed. And, and when that happens, we make a lot of dumb choices unless we decide, all right, I need to slow this down because I'm about up to here right now. I'm going to lose my mind, and I need to just chill for a minute, slow down, don't act just yet, just slow it down. And then Jesus says in Matthew 5 and in Luke 6, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I think sometimes that gets lost on us, the, the nugget of wisdom that he gave us there. That when we, even ourselves, let alone the people around us, when we say something, we just admitted what was inside here. We might not have liked it, but we just revealed something about our will, about our desire, about our attitude and outlook and our position and our beliefs. And so when in anger I blurt out something that I'm like, oh man, I wish I could have taken that back. Let me stop and think for a minute, though, what did that just reveal about how I feel about that person? And I need to look at that and explore that because Jesus reveals that to us because many times that begins to reveal to us where the problem is that needs to be resolved. And I tell you, if you slow it down and pay attention, many times what will happen is you'll have an ouch moment. You go, ouch, boy, I'm really not that good. There's something wrong with me. And I really need to change this. Maybe it's me that's the problem. And, and if we pay attention and slow it down, we'd be able to think clearly enough to see that. But also, Proverbs 29, 11 says, a fool, a fool gives full vent to his spirit. Now, hold that for a minute. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that there's a time to rejoice and a time to weep. Okay, that, that it's not that it's inappropriate to express our emotions, even our negative ones. But it's a fool, it's not a fool that gives vent to his spirit. It's a fool that gives full vent to his spirit. And what happens for some of us, the reason why we can't resolve the anger that we have is because we think the solution is to stuff it over there in that box and pretend like it doesn't exist. And what happens is it's like a pressure cooker. It just builds and builds because it never got resolved. And then when that moment, the person who flies off the handle out of nowhere, who loses it, it's because that's been building for all this time. And now that one last straw showed up and they lost their minds because we don't know how to express our emotions in a healthy way. Because silence isn't a healthy way. But expressing it to everybody and letting everybody know how you feel about them also isn't quite so healthy either. And so what I need to learn, that if Cindy's driving me crazy, not that she ever does, <laughs> but if Cindy's driving me crazy, I can't just pretend like she's not, but I also can't lash out at her either. 
And I also can't just every time I see her say, I really don't like you. That's not the solution either. But I need to be able to go to her and say, hey, when you do this, that really hurts my feelings. I don't like that. Can you stop doing that? <laughs> Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. <laughs> and he's probably laughing maybe because sometimes the person, when they hear that, they go, I don't really care. But you don't know that until we explore that relationship with them. And I'm telling you, I'm discovering this for myself because I'm one that tends to not to like to stick up for myself. Unless it's my kids, and then I'll just kind of run them through the ringer. I'm just, I'm not kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but I tend to not like to stick up for myself because I, I feel like, you know, gee, what does Jesus say? The last will be first and the first will be last, you know. And, and if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And so... But I don't think that Jesus actually meant that we're not supposed to seek reconciliation in our relationships. Okay? But I have a hard time with that. And we need to learn to be okay with some, a little bit of conflict to be able to talk and work those things out because that's what's going to get us to resolve some of these emotions that we're dealing with. Let's talk them out, talk them through. But we also have to be able to, Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What does that mean? That means I will be in the place that I value. Okay, so if someone values being a part of the body of Christ, they will be there. That's where they will be. If someone values their family, then they will be with their family. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If someone values watching the Lions playoff game today, they will be in front of a TV watching that Lions playoff game. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And what we need to begin to pay attention to is I need to make sure that when my actions show me that I'm not valuing the right things, I need to begin to tell myself, remind myself of what I should be valuing. And so when that anger shows up and I want to fly off the handle and lose it on that person, I need to talk about why I'm upset with them and maybe talk with them about why I'm upset with them. Then I need to remind myself that what I value is the fruit of the Spirit. I value being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I value pleasing the Lord. I value rejecting sinfulness. I value those things. I value relationships. I value those things. And so we're reminding ourselves because that's how we're leading our emotions. We're not letting our emotions say, hey, just go where I tell you to. Uh, we're, letting, we're telling our emotions, no, you need to go where I tell you to. And we need to use these emotions to move in the right direction. Then... We need to assert calmness. Psalm 37, 7. Doesn't this feel great sometimes in our busy world? Psalm 37, 7. Be still before the Lord. Or again, Proverbs 16, 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Or Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Then the peace of God will come. Some of the reasons why, and it goes back to the screens, but it involves other things. Some of the reasons why we're so stressed is because we're going and going and going and going and going all the time. You know, like either, either it is a device, we're just always on it all the time. We just have to keep our minds going all the time. We have to have sounds, we have to noise. Uh, have you ever walked into someone's house and they knew you were coming and they knew you were coming to hang out with them and when you walk into the house, the TV is just blasting. It's just super loud and they never turn it off. They never turn it down. And, and you find out because that's what makes them comfortable is for there to be noise constant noise or constant activity. Have you ever witnessed someone that when you tell them, hey, just sit down and relax, you see the stress come over them? Like, but I have to be doing something. That makes me think of the whole Mary Martha story with Jesus. Remember, one of the ladies like, no, I have to keep going. And the other stops for a moment. And, and the other is like, you got to keep going because we got to keep this moving all the time. And what happens is when we do that, we're actually making ourselves stressed and agitated and angry because God designed us to at least once a week Chill out and rest. We need to turn off our phones on occasion. And, our, and I mean, if you still have a landline, turn that thing off too. And the TV and the radio and the Internet and all the voices and all the activity and just stop and do nothing and have complete silence and be still before the Lord. And the failure to act on that is in many ways the reasons why some of us are so agitated, so anxious, and so depressed. 
because we're not allowing ourselves to assert some calmness routinely in our lives. I'm telling you, it works. The Bible's true. Okay, When the Bible tells us to live a way that produces fruitfulness, it's not lying. It's true. And then, and I know I've been saying this throughout, but Colossians 3, Philippians 4, Ephesians 4 tells us that we're to put away negative emotions. And then the other references you have on your outline were to have positive emotions. That means that in any given moment, I can just decide, mind you, with the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, but in any given moment, I can just decide how I'm going to feel right now. Isn't that astounding? I could be in the midst of the most chaotic, stressful situation, anxious-provoking situation, feeling every bit of that anxiety, or I could be being provoked by the person who's in front of me. And some of you might look to your left or right and see the person that usually provokes you to anger. <laughs> but I could be being provoked, mocked to anger. And in that moment, I can actually decide I'm not going to be anxious. I'm not going to be stressed. I'm not saying ignore it and pretend like it's not there. We need to walk through the proper channels. But I actually decide in every given moment, I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be sad and depressed. I'm not going to be Eeyore. I'm not going to be anxious and all stressed out. I'm going to walk in the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to have all the confidence and assurance that God has me. It's a choice. And again, some of us might be irritated by that truth. But every one of our emotions is a choice. And we can choose to have the pessimistic view of, boy, is that irritating. Or we can have the optimistic view of, do you know what that means? We're liberated. We are set free. We don't have to be bearing down under the weight of the stress and anxiety and the anger that we have. We can be free. All we have to do is, what does Galatians 5 say? If we walk by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. All we have to do is walk in it. Isn't that freeing? Isn't that awesome? But that's, that's the process we have to do. But then lastly, and in short, and I don't mean that it's not as equal, it's more so valuable than the first action, uh, but we covered it some last week, so it's a little bit of a review. The second action I need to take is I need to pursue the Lord. It's not good enough to just know the practical tips that Proverbs and Psalms and the rest of Scripture gives us. I actually have to be in close communion with the Lord. I need to love Him. Joel 2 says to return our hearts to the Lord. Matthew 22, Jesus says, and it says it elsewhere, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Some of us, the reason why we're not handling our emotions has nothing to do with the circumstances. It has everything to do that we're not in love with Jesus. And not that when we're in love with Jesus that everything is okay or everything's right. But when we love Jesus, we don't care that the house is a mess. We don't care that the car is broke down or that I don't have a car anymore. We don't care about that my body is broken and, and bothering me. We don't care because I have Jesus. Think about the, the, the young lady or the young man that's just smitten in love with their partner. They don't care. What's that? Anybody know that song, Even Though We Ain't Got Money? I'm so in love with you, honey, and everything will bring... Nobody say don't quit your day job because you're going to be kind. <laughs> but when we're in love, so many other things don't bother us because we're in love with Christ. We need to experience him. Psalm 34, 18, listen to this. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. John 14, 27, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. And some of us just need to, that back to the being still before the Lord, some of us just need to actually experience God, experience his, his move in our lives and in his power at work and his goodness drawing us near to him and find the delight and the joy that begins to surface in that. And then we need to understand that the Bible actually changes our hearts. Did you know that? Studying it, that is. Just because it's sitting on a shelf somewhere or we downloaded the app on our phone doesn't bring the transformation. 
We have to actually study it. And in studying it, Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God divides between soul and spirit. It penetrates into those places. In Proverbs 3, uh, verse 1 and 2 says, Let your heart keep my commandments. Or Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. That when I study his word and know it and live by it, it transforms my heart. Psalm 19.8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Lastly, God can actually change our emotions. Psalm 51.10, Create within me a clean heart. Ezekiel 11 and 36 references the idea that he gives us a new heart. Galatians 5, again, walk by the Spirit, and we will not carry out the acts of the flesh, but the fruit of the Spirit. Psalm 147.3, listen to this. He heals the brokenhearted. John 14.27, Jesus says, my peace I give to you. And again, Colossians 3 and Philippians 4, if we are struggling, we're anxious, sad, stressed, whatever, and we come and seek Him in prayer, And he gives us the peace that surpasses all understanding. So when we are in a moment struggling, anxious, sad, in despair, depressed, angry, all we have to do is call upon the Lord and he can give us a new heart. He can give us a new emotion. The only question is, is whether or not we actually want him to or we just want to hold on to all those negative feelings. Will you stand with me? Worship team, will you come and prepare to lead us? So what's the stability look like in your heart today? Is there some anxiety in there, some stress, some worry, some depression, some (laughs) anger? What's the state of your heart this morning? Because see, all that it truly takes, though we we need the instructions from Scripture to make some things clear, but It just truly just takes surrendering ourselves to the direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Biblically direct, of course. But Jesus encountered, and and it's a puzzling thing, and you can begin to to lead uh, us, Joe. Jesus encountered a man who had been crippled for, for decades. And he walked up to the man, and the man had been trying to be healed, at least seemingly trying to be healed for decades, trying to get into that pool to be healed, and he could never get there before someone else could receive their healing. And Jesus said something perplexing to that man. He looked that man right in the eye, the guy who's been seemingly trying to get well for decades, and said, do you want to get well? Now, Jesus never asked that of any other person. He would ask them, do they believe? Do they have faith? He would ask them about their relationship with with the Lord. But it was really only that one time that he said to that man, do you want to be well? Because the Lord's here and he wants to give us peace and security and, and patience and kindness. He wants us to have a good heart. But the question is, are we willing to let go of that anger? Are we willing to let go of the wounds and the sadness and the despair and the depression and to begin to walk in the freedom that the Holy Spirit brings? Well, if that's you this morning and you need to walk in that freedom, then come and seek Him. Come and seek Him and walk in the freedom that He provides. Let go of all the things that you're holding on to and be free today. Will you seek Him this morning? You know, walking in what the Lord gives us, just like last week, it doesn't mean that we won't experience these negative emotions, these hurts and brokenness. It just means that we'll know what to do with them when they come. There's a power in that. God has given us the power to guide what happens in our lives as long as we surrender to what He wants us to do. And I've been, as we've been studying on Wednesdays through following Christ in the Gospels to see what he expects of us as a disciple and and how to go about discipling others, I've been thinking about numerous times that Jesus would say, where is your faith? 
And I think that sometimes, because sometimes it seems perplexing why they didn't have faith in Christ, but I think that sometimes we don't realize what it actually means to have faith in Christ. I think that we think, well, we're good if we believe that Jesus exists and he rose from the dead, and those are all good things. That we know that we're, when we die, we're going to go to heaven and all of that stuff, and that's also good. But often when he said, you have little faith, it's because they didn't believe that that doing the things that Jesus said to do would actually work. You know that be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and then my anxiety will begin to melt away? The question is, is do I actually believe it will work? When I choose to ask the Lord to empower me by the Holy Spirit and then begin to walk in what he tells me to walk in, do I actually believe I'll be capable of doing it? And the ye of little faith it has to do with believing in that, all that stuff. And that's, we, we need faith again. We need to believe that Jesus is right and true and he does care about us and he does care about those around us and he is way, waiting and ready to display his power in our lives. He's just waiting for us to actually believe him enough to walk in it. And so again, if you, if you want to have help in that, uh, then join us on Wednesdays. There's, there's about 10 or so of us that will be there to talk through things and work through things out. And, and sometimes it's not amazing. It's just okay. And other times great things are revealed. But, but come and be a part of that. Uh, come and be a part of uh, inviting other people. You got that inv- invite to church this morning? You're already here, so you don't need an invitation. That's for you to take that and invite someone else to come. And next week we're going to see how the Lord can restore the brokenness in our relationships. Don't we need some of that to know how to find stability there? And so if you know someone that that needs that, invite them to come and see what the Lord might have for them. Or, and again, we talked about this two weeks ago, and actually last week as well. One of the best ways to truly find life and joy is to stop worrying about ourselves so much and start caring and being concerned about other people. And that's why we're putting one-to-one together so we can organizationally work together to start focusing on helping other people. And so we're going to end service here in a moment, take a 10-minute break, and if you want to join, be a part of, or consider one-to-one, then join us downstairs. But are you excited about what the Lord has? Doesn't he have good things for us? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? So Lord, we just ask that you would continue to be at work in our hearts and minds and our spirits, and that you would help us to walk in the freedom of the Holy Spirit to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to become what you have called us to be and to receive everything that you have for us. We ask for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Love you. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. See you next week.